passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rewind a Raw, the only way to start off your week. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Hey, Wei, how are you? Good. I'm I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? I'm pumped. Really? Why? I don't know. Pumped for for to to review this edition of Raw. I am. I'm actually looking forward to talking about this episode of Raw with you. Okay. Cool. I don't know if I'm pumped, but like I'm excited. I'm gonna rewatch Raw as soon as we're done. Hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's not waste any time. We can always waste a little bit of time, um, but we're not going to because we have too much to get to this week, ladies and gentlemen. There are there are shows we put out, and then there are events. Those shows that will last. For an infinite amount of time on your phone, in your memory. That is what Thursday is about. It is the world transfer window. Starring Martin Benno, Kate from Montreal, Andrew Thompson, an underdog, Wei Ting, and Jamesy. And if we learned one lesson on Monday, there's no Shamesy losing to Jamesy. Oh, that is correct. Yeah. Jamesy returns for one night only on the British Wrestling Experience. Mr. Kane from Spain, back for one night only. This is the biggest return in a year that has brought you Punk, Nick Diaz, it's Jamesy that is getting everyone's attention this week. This is this is the equivalent of us booking the United Center for Jamesy to come back. Pretty much, yeah. So Jamesy will be there, and for people who maybe are unaware, a world dra- a transfer window... I suppose is is what the Europeans like to call like a draft. So we're we're doing a fantasy draft for our, our our promotions of anybody outside of the WWE. Each one of us gets to pick our own roster of twenty, and then at the end of it all, we put a card together and rely on the audience to vote on who the winner will be. So will it be defending champion Jamesy? Will it be Kate? Will it be Andrew? Will it be Martin? Will it be Benno? Or will it be me? Uh, Do we have odds? Are there? Is there a line out? No, there are not, unfortunately. But there are predictions, and oh. throughout the week on our Twitter account at Post Wrestling, you can find predictions from uh, various members of the post wrestling community. Everybody has a take. Everybody has an opinion on who will, who will win this one, and so uh, stay tuned for that. 
So look out for that Thursday on the British Wrestling Experience feed. Uh, some other highlights this week. Tuesday, we're dropping a new Ask Away mailbag show. The show that Way and I enjoy because there is no preparation ahead of time. And you just uh, catch us off guard with questions that we answer truthfully and honestly. So that will be coming out on Tuesday. You can still get your questions in if you're hearing this in time. And then the G1. We are into week two of the G1. We are going to be putting out shows this week for cafe members on Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Thursdays is going to be capturing two days worth because there's a show Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to put out one show on the Thursday to cover those two events uh, happening at Core Q and Hall and then Friday and Sunday follow-ups. That is correct. Yeah. Lots of G1 coverage, lots of coverage of everything coming up. So thank you if you've been a patron for this month. And if you're going to stick around for the next month, we thank you as well. Yes. So you can go check out the whole schedule. We'll be live Friday night after the draft and rampage for cafe members as well. We will be live for that, taking your calls. So whole schedule up at postwrestling.com. Are you ready to get into some news, Mr. Ting? Let's do it. Off the top, I wanted to talk just about the... News of Ryan Sakota's passing. This is, um, he had actually died several weeks ago. This was on September 2nd uh, that he had passed away. And I guess the obituary just made its way online now. And people were discovering that he had died earlier this month at the age of 48. Uh, Ryan Sakota was a, a fairly well-known name in the early 2000s in the Southern California scene coming up there through Rick Bassman's UPW group, which was tied very closely to WWE in the early 2000s. So you saw him involved in that scene with your Cena's, Samoa Joe's, Frankie Kazarian's, a lot of the the name talent that came out of uh, SoCal. And he wrestled around California. He went to Japan for Zero One, teamed with Samoa Joe. And then uh, up to that point, Zero One was probably his most well-known uh, position that he had held in the industry until signing with WWE and then debuted on SmackDown in the fall of... 2003, he was put into a unit with a heel, Yoshihiro Tajiri, and Akio, which was a rebranded Jimmy Yang. And uh, they, they formed uh, a heel group, and it lasted a couple of months. It wasn't like a prominent run that he had in WWE, and didn't even last there a year. He was let go in the summer of 2004, and then you saw his name bounce around. He did go back to uh, Japan wrestling for Zero One. He did some hustle events. He was involved with Wrestling Society X. And then over the last couple of years, you would have associated his name with the big class action lawsuit uh, that uh, Constantine Kairos led with all of the former talent uh, regarding long-term concussion issues. And that was ultimately thrown out. And, you know, Ryan Sakota was one of those cases you look at of where he worked for the WWE for less than a year. So when you're talking about long-term concussion issues, it's very hard to be able to pinpoint where your concussions occurred and where the damage happened when sometimes you don't know the full effects of concussions until years down the road, which also presents issues when you're talking about in a legal sense with a a statute of limitations. But, you know, that's kind of where his name was last associated in the pro wrestling news cycle. So our condolences to his family. Uh, 48 years old is very young. Um, the fact that he was part of this lawsuit, I, I would imagine that, you know, the effects of pro wrestling uh, did have, you know, uh, affected him in a significant way. Um, so that is uh, that is all on Ryan Sakota. 
Moving on to some other uh, news items. The Royal Rumble. Actually, let's go in order here. AEW has announced that the Full Gear pay-per-view is going to be taking place on Saturday, November 13th. We knew the date, and now it's official that it will be at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, confirming that they will run back-to-back nights at the Target Center with a live rampage on the Friday and then the pay-per-view on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, this was probably something that many people would have expected after the, the rampage date. Um, and yeah, do you, see this being the, do you see this being the pattern of doing it like piggybacking rampage with pay-per-views on the Saturday and Sundays in one host city? Yeah, it would make sense, you know, like, um, TV wise, setup wise, or just, you know, in terms of just having media, uh, in, in the, in the venue, in the city. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. There's a great cost savings to being in one central location. I think it encourages travelers and, Especially when you have that buffer day before a Sunday pay-per-view, it allows you the chance to do a, a fan fan fest event, different stuff like that, which you could still do during the Saturday of full gear. But I think it, it encourages more than just the singular pay-per-view event. And I think with an AEW audience there, with only four a year, you have a better chance of travelers you know, making, making a, a weekend out of it as opposed to just coming in for the show and leaving or not or opting not to travel. Absolutely. The Royal Rumble, uh, however, is going to be going to St. Louis, and they're going to be doing a Saturday night show to avoid the NFL playoffs uh, with the AFC-NFC championship games happening on the Sunday. They will run Saturday night, January 29th, at the Dome at America's Center uh, in St. Louis. Uh, They're expecting over 40,000 people uh, for the Rumble and confirming for the fifth consecutive year a men's and women's Royal Rumble match. And I think th- this is also following in the trend of the big shows earmarking them for stadiums and getting away from arenas. Yeah, it's um, the second biggest show that they have of the year. And to some people, maybe even one that they look more forward to than WrestleMania itself. You know, the Royal, R- Royal Rumble name carries a whole lot of prestige at this point attached to it. And um, I'm sure they, there would be plenty of interest enough to fill that place. Moving on to the television numbers from Friday, uh, we will start off with Rampage, and Rampage did 640,000 viewers, 376,000 in the demo, which works out to a 0.29 uh, per Brandon Thurston and Showbuzz Daily, and that does that did finish number one on cable, uh, but we... The way it was broken down was on Showbuzz was we did get to see how Hour 1 performed and how Hour 2 performed. And there was a sizable drop-off. Viewership dropped 24% in Hour 2, and the 18 to 49 number fell 23%. And I saw some reaction today that, you know, this would be a bad sign towards the idea of Rampage moving to two hours. But in looking at prior weeks... TNT is ranking in those top 150 programs on Friday night once, and it's for Rampage. So mm-hmm. even with a diminished audience, it's an incredible figure per TNT standards for Friday night at 11 p.m. So I don't look at this as discouraging anything, um, but it it was interesting to see, way that this was a loaded edition of Rampage and not some rank-and-file show and, you know, almost a quarter of your audience did check out in the second hour, which tells me Punk was probably the biggest thing on that show. Oh, without a doubt he was. Yeah. You know, and you're also talking about it's 11 o'clock on a Friday night. 
And for many of those people watching, maybe after watching SmackDown as well, three hours into the show, I don't know if I need to see a fourth hour. You know, many, maybe some people just don't really care who this Minoru Suzuki guy is and what, what this match with the John Moxley and Eddie Kingston will be like in the main event. So um, it, it, it doesn't surprise me to see that level of drop off. It was uh, technically like when you figure in the average, this would technically be the the lowest viewership for a rampage by two thousand viewers. It's not like it was a uh, an appreciably down number, but the first hour did do seven hundred and twenty seven and a point three two. Again, both numbers are very strong by TNT standards and rank very high. But I am curious what what the interpretation of this number is on the TNT side if they look at it and say, "Hey, look, we finished." I think it was like first and fourth with these two hours, or if this is something where they, I think for for a long-term uh, picture, I just look at this two hours. You, you are going to whittle down that audience by putting out more content, but that's, that's always the balancing act of all of this. But I do feel this will be an experiment. They try again, the two hour experiment. It seems like, I mean, all these things that have happened so far with, with them changing time zones, I think, like, or, or changing uh, days, like, everything has been um, some sort of test to see what the audience can handle. And um, at least this week, we see that, you know, for a, maybe a good chunk of the audience, there is sort of a limit to how much AEW that they can get on a certain time of day, uh, especially if it's, you know, in, at this point, the fourth hour of, of a show that they've already been broadcasting for that particular week. So, um I'm, you know, so much of this kind of depends on the needs of the broadcaster versus, um, you know, the needs of the audience. And uh, I'm sure when things are up for renegotiation, maybe that's when we'll hear a bit more. And we're also going to see in the next month is several dynamites on Saturday nights as well. So we'll be shifting mm-hmm. and, and seeing those on on back to back Saturdays. And then the uh, TNT specials starting next year. That's right in the in the new year. So there's going to be a lot of experimentation. And um, I'd encourage people to check out Chris Harrington was on with Brandon Thurston again over the weekend. And it's a great insight into AEW's business. You get quite a lot of candid responses from Chris Harrington, like pretty much being uh, as open as he's going to be in these kinds of interview situations about what he's dealing with personally, what his interpretation of what advertisers are looking at, networks, and just a lot of the the strategy that goes into it. There, if you're interested in that, it's it's fascinating access to hear someone speak for almost ninety minutes on these subjects. Yeah, it was really interesting to to, to listen to somebody being so open, really about like the business of of this company. Uh, so I I highly encourage it. SmackDown, on the other hand, did 2,135,000 viewers, 713.55 in the demo, and they were number one among network programming. Um, It was down from prior weeks. Uh, In 1849, it was actually their lowest number since July, which was um, Friday coming off of Money in the Bank, so their second in front of a live audience. Um, Viewership was down about 5%, still finishing number one for the night. So this was not a a poor number, but interesting to see that the go-home show was down. And you would figure they are lining things up for a big increase this week. I think that they have put a lot of their eggs into their basket for Friday night. Did you think tonight did um, a great average or poor job of hyping up the draft? I'm going to say average. You know, like it's not like the show was necessarily centered around it, but they did uh, show the commercials throughout the the the, the broadcast, and um, I 
I think it's one of those shows where just simply the name of it itself or the idea and the concept of it itself is probably going to be a bit enough because like I don't know what more could they really have done I suppose on the show relationships could be thrown into chaos you're right right but tonight's focus was um you know obviously bobby lashley and biggie so i'm i'm kind of glad they didn't just litter the entire show with like draft 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 stuff um so sunday night there was a the pwg tremendous card at the globe theater in la and on monday there were stories circulating uh, about a, an unfortunate incident where a fan that identifies as transgender was attacked at the show in the stairwell. Um, this had been circulating throughout Monday. Uh, I don't believe the the, the, the victim has actually um, issued any public comment yet, but PWG did. Uh, they wrote, we are aware of the incident that was reported on Twitter last night during Tremendous Six. Upon learning of the report, we immediately contacted the security and management of the Globe Theater, who investigated throughout the remainder of the night. No report was made to Globe or PWG staff or management last night. However, we are in contact with the victim and working closely with the Globe to address the situation. PWG is committed to being a safe, inclusive environment for all fans. We abhor and will not tolerate physical violence at our events. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, one of the people on our forum uh, responded to this that attended the event uh, and this is from uh, Emmanuel, who wrote that uh, he was there. I did not witness the attack, nor was made aware, since I was close to the entrance of the women's restroom. There were also no homophobic or transphobic chants at all. Uh, but there was a man who was booing while Excalibur was making a speech before the event and spoke about how black lives, women, and black women's rights mattered. There were also two women who were sexually harassing the wrestlers as they made their way through the entrance, but thankfully they were asked to leave. Disappointing to hear um, about any of that stuff, you know, it's uh, and especially with a brand that I think is usually um, seems to be just for many people, a unanimous great time. And, um, you know, I hope they catch the people who, 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 who did it. Yeah, I don't think that there's any wiggle room for stuff like this um, at, at any point in time, but there needs to be a zero tolerance policy for this. And I think now that you have these tools to get this kind of uh, message out there, it's going to get clamped down on and investigated, you would hope. And that this kind of stuff um, that that fans are sometimes in the position that they have to police other fans and make aware that this kind of stuff is going on rather than turning a blind eye or it's just something that is not addressed and gets gets ignored so i think this it puts a big spotlight on it so i think it is important when uh, people speak up and make it aware of incidents like this happening as ugly as it sounds and fans being aware and management being aware promotions being aware of this kind of stuff that cannot be happening at shows i think it's a, a fairly simple conclusion but it's also the it should be happening anywhere it shouldn't be happening at all. And it's as well, you know, what kind of enforcement there is to assure that people can go to shows and not have to worry about this kind of stuff. On a lighter note, Way, did you see Tyron Woodley's tattoo? Oh, no, he did it. Oh, my God. Maybe so you can give us a live reaction if you go to his Instagram. Okay. Uh, so what does this mean? The, the rematch is happening? Well, why don't you look at the tattoo and you... You you put yourself into the mind of Jake Paul and whether this would be sufficient to the terms of the bet. 
I don't think there's a prayer of this fight ever happening again. Okay, let me just take a look here. Tattoo. Oh my god. It's in his on his middle finger. It says I love Jake Paul. Okay. Um is this sufficient? That's a pretty interpretive K on the Jake. Oh, okay. It sounds like it, it almost looks like a what, joke Paul? What's it supposed to say? I wonder if that's what he was going for. Like it very much looks like a uh like an R to me. Jerpaul? I don't know. I have no idea. J- it's Jerpaul? What what was that? What, what's an R supposed to mean? You know what Tyron Woodley needed to do? I think he needed to get the concrete numbers that this first pay-per-view did and realize there is not a huge public clamoring for this rematch. So this is stupid, okay? Like he he this was stupid from day one. I mean, like, why would you get the tattoo if you didn't know before signing the contract for a rematch? Like, now he got the tattoo and still doesn't know if he's going to get the rematch? He's, um, he's taking a leap of faith. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, has Jake Paul responded? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. You should say it's not enough. That'd be great. Be like, uh, that's not exactly what we agreed to. So, uh, sorry, pal. You're you're stuck with that. Yeah. Uh, and Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown had a baby. I am the the name of the baby. Uh, hold on a second. T- breaking news, everybody. Uh, I'll do. Jake Paul have a, res- a response. Yeah, he shared his thoughts via Instagram story where he says, "One, Tyron got the wire from the fight." Two, Tyron bought a used Bentley. Three, Tyron got in a call with his accountant. Four, his accountant told him how much he had to pay in taxes. Five, Tyron got the tattoo. I don't even know what this means, but he's saying this is why. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody, for for wasting your time with this. I I regret it. We're moving on. But uh, congratulations to Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown. Their their, uh, daughter's name is Laakia, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce the the second name. It It is a lengthy one. Laakia Brown, we will go with. Congratulations. Yes. Wonderful news. Wonderful news. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. Go check all of that uh, fine work out and all of our latest shows, podcasts, transfer windows, G1. We've got you all covered this week. MCU Later coming out on Saturday, or Saturday, Thursday, with me, WH Park, and John Ceno, who does Shot in the Dark. On the up next feed every single week. How, how's how's what if been for you? Uh, you know, uh, for me, I enjoy almost anything MCU, so I, I look forward to it. But I would say if you're a bit more of a casual fan, it's definitely skippable uh, most of the time. But they are ramping up towards the end here with like you know they're gonna bring all the various like characters from the different episodes and gonna they're gonna bunch them all up together in like a season finale. So that'll be kind of fun. Two episodes left. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Raw took place on Monday from the Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. And as promised, kicking things off, Big E versus Bobby Lashley. Before you could flip over to the Cowboys and Eagles, they start off the match. And Big E slaps the hell out of Bobby Lashley from the corner. This was a, this was a hell of a slap. Big slap, yeah. It, it just woke all of us up. You know, from a from a, a week slumber, um, or a twenty four hour slumber for after that pay per view, yeah, this was this was going to be serious. This would have brought Finn Balor back to life. <laughs> it, 
it would have made him, you know, shake and yeah. So Lashley uh, destroys him with his forearm smash. There's a double clothesline spot on the floor. Big E is getting dominated by Lashley. When Big E executes a leapfrog, goes for the big ending. I will say, with all the teases for it and the way it's always been a pretty protected maneuver, and now that he's in this big position, like I think the big ending, it's really over. Yeah, I, I, it is now. I don't like it. I still don't. But you know what? I mean, there are like the people's elbow is a finisher. Everybody, like you know, all in how you how you treat it. Like, yes, exactly. you can view it as a as a back bump, but it's. Like people buy it, and it's like he wins with it all the time. Hulk Hogan wins with a leg drop. Shawn Michaels super kick. I mean, we all talk about how great it is now, but at the time, I mean, it's just a kick. You know, even like uh like Cena's like attitude adjustment doesn't look like the most devastating move in the match. But you're right. Like it ultimately doesn't matter. It depends on how they book it. So he goes to the big ending, but Lashley gets to the rope, and Biggie spears him off the apron to the floor. And who is there to greet them but Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander wearing their Hurt Business shirts. And we got a sidebar episode. What if Shelton and Cedric never left the group? What if the last six months were a dream and they snapped their fingers and went right back like everything was fine and they didn't have some nasty falling out where Lashley destroyed these two on multiple occasions? Oh yeah, we all we always venture into alternate universes here on on uh, Raw, where we just forget about the pre- previous week and previous month's uh, activity. But no real expl- explanation here. None given throughout the rest of the episode either. Frankly, none asked either. None Fine. asked. I, Let's I just go back. I don't care. Yeah, like they should have never broken up in the first place. And I think in this context, like it makes all the sense in the world to you know have a three on three situation with the reunited New Day, of course. So Lashley, Alexander, and Benjamin, they're all smiles. It's like, oh, you guys, we were just kidding. And he spears Big E when the New Day appear. Everyone brawls, and the match is thrown out after 10 minutes. New Day clears the ring, dives by Woods and Kingston, and Adam Pierce comes out. We're not going to end things like that in Cincinnati. This match will take place. In a steel cage. And this audience was like, man, we don't even care about steel cage matches, but this sounds amazing. I mean, it's 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 a surprise, right? You know, it's like most of them probably didn't look up throughout the, most of the night. <laughs> What's but, that doing yeah. up there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I thought Adam Pierce like was was his most pro wrestler like in de- delivery. He on was this so over the top here, like just yeah. like the carnival barker out here, the hometown pop he gave, and the steel cage. It was like yeah. he ramped it up to twelve here. He really did. Um, so you know they they've it's interesting to watch like Raw just with the way that they have been re I I think experimenting with the way that they've been starting their their shows. I mean, in this He's one, something were... at the beginning, hook them in mm-hmm. and hope that they'll care to come back. Yeah, exactly. And, but this isn't the first time they've done a match with like sort of the advertised main event off the top and then only to stop the match for some reason partway through and then redoing it in the, in the, like they even did this with a gauntlet match. If you remember, John, yep. with the new day and, and like who, who stops a gauntlet match midway through? The WWE, but um, anyway, so this is just seems to be their tactic. It's a different way, basically, of you know, in the past during the Attitude Era, we have the the main event come in, 
they cut promos on each other and then they they tease you know they dangle the main event all the way through the end this is just another form of that except they're actually wrestling the match and then giving you the real main event uh, afterwards so i maybe it's effective but it definitely is very groan inducing you know at the moment that they stop the matches and you know especially if they keep doing it well, it's it's going to come down to, is this a formula that's working? Are people coming back for the show? And that's going to dictate if they're going to play with this. I mean, they go through all these things. I remember when we had the countdown clock to, yeah. that they were going through. And then we had the period where we couldn't wrestle through commercial breaks. They throw a lot of, they come up with a lot of wacky believe, concepts. Thank you for reminding me. I just can't believe that happened. We're going to have a like a, a, what is it, a scheduled intermission? Is that what they used All to the do? All the two out of three falls matches we had to go through oh and the breaks God. were during the commercials. Like they just got crazy with their concepts of what, why could viewers be turning out of our show? It's not the quality. It's, it's the format. We, who's going to sit through a commercial break when there's a match going on? Yeah, I, I really do think most of the time they're, they're really thinking way too hard about this stuff when I think we have evidence now people just want to see pro wrestling. They just want to see straight up matches, you know, but anyway, it's, it's I, I can understand that. I really didn't mind this. It was, I understand the strategy and it's like, if it works, it works. And by the end of it, you got, you got your match and you even got a clean finish by, by the end of it. So that is the thing. Cause like in the past and, and still they would do this where they advertise the match and then give you the DQ and don't even follow up for the rest of the show. Now they at least redo it. Redo they the did thing. deliver what they advertised. Yeah. And then the rest of hour one felt like I was watching NXT 2.0, where it was just some super quick matches with just some of your secondary characters, beginning with Eric versus Angel Garza with their respective partners. Garza and Carrillo call themselves literally the hottest new team in WWE. Who wouldn't want us in reference to the upcoming draft and... Jimmy Smith says that one thing about being pretty is everyone wants to take your face off. So that is the um, mm-hmm. that is what the, what's going on here. They want to unpretty Angel and Umberto. There was a knee strike by Eric. Carrillo got on the apron with Angel's pants, and Ivar goes after Carrillo, and Garza hits him with a super kick and wing clipper. Uh, it was quite the visual to watch him get. Eric up for this wing clipper and wins the match in two minutes. Completely like exactly what you said, John. It's like, it's NXT 2.0. It's WWE superstars. You know, it's like these matches are not, um, I don't know that interesting at all. Um, it's, it's more of a chance just, I, I suppose to experience some of the new personality with some of these characters. And in this case, really it's, it's Humberto Carrillo who's getting the, the makeover, joining his cousin, in doing this sort of like, I don't know, heartthrob type of gimmick, I'm happy for him. I'm happy the like. I I'm like happy. these two together. I'm you know when when these guys move on to strictly main event in a month, I'll be disappointed because <laughs> I think that they have some. Uh, they certainly have charisma, and that's something that it's sometimes very hard to break through uh, with personality in this kind of a situation. But there's it's a in the ring good team, and with yeah. some vignettes and such, I think that this could be a team that you could do something with. 
Yeah, Kirill, for for this entire time, I think, you know, when Heyman was around, he he got a bit of a push as sort of like the sort of just the, I would say, a relatively generic kind of upstart cruiserweight. Uh, but clearly that's not enough um, for at least Vince McMahon's style of wrestling. So now we're actually going to see some character, some personality with him I th- I, working as a heel. So I, I wait to see how he fits. Another championship match on this show. Big Raw. Reggie comes out and his opponent when the graphic came up. Reggie versus Ricochet for the 24-7 championship. Oh, this is a dream match. This was one where it's like Ricochet has fallen to such a level that you should be just appalled that he has reached this level. But like I've been there for a long time with Ricochet that I was like, if you give me five minutes of these dudes just doing wacky stuff in the ring, I'll be very happy with this. For for Ricochet, modern day 2021 Ricochet, best you can hope for. They couldn't even give us that because this thing went all of uh, 90 seconds. Uh, both are doing their flips, impressing one another. Ricochet hit a beautiful Topicon hero. And the 24-7 mob, as they are identified by multiple times, that being Drew Gulak, R-Truth, and mastermind Drake Maverick, have front row seats and they jump Ricochet. The match is thrown out in a minute 27. And Reggie is leaving as Drake Maverick is on a walkie-talkie. Tozawa comes out and Reggie hits a twisting cross body before he exits. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the brief time that Rick, Reggie and Ricochet were in there, I thought there was like some potential for some fun acrobatics between these two. Um, but I don't think it really became all that special by the end. And it just kind of devolved into another, you know, very predictable, very kind of ineffective 24-7 schmoz. Yes, and uh, Ricochet is uh, ricocheting. He is, yeah. How long How long is his contract, I wonder? I can't tell you how many times I, I hear that question from people. Yeah. Like, that is the but one that comes up. I, I, mean, I can't guy who I mean, he certainly puts on the idea that, like, this is where he, this guy oh, wants he's to lucky be. To, he's lucky to be here. Are you kidding me? He's just, he, he wasn't even supposed to be here, Wayne. Exactly. He's not even. I can't wait for the Steve Austin's uh, Broken Soul Skull Sessions with Ricochet. Oh, where he could just unleash. And talk. Steve Austin can bring this clip up. So there you are in there with Reggie, 24-7 championships. They don't even give you the 24-7 <laughs> championships. I'm like, jeez. Did you watch yeah. any of the Rollins interview? I did. I, I, I haven't finished it yet, but uh, I, I think I saw the most notable parts. Yeah. Impressions of it? I, I kind of only saw the odd answer, too. I haven't seen I really enjoyed it. It was Seth Rollins pretty much like, you know, as filterless as I think you could expect maybe for a WWE Network production. But he was speaking very honestly about a lot of uh, what he went through in his career and, you know, talking about butting heads with like uh, people in NXT and talking about how like you know, he felt a lot of friction with like trying to get out of the WWE style. And then, yeah, it, it was actually a very fascinating conversation. Did he talk about Harry Potter at all? I don't know if he did. I missed it. Why? Were you not there for that one? When we, when we did that profile on him, like years and years ago? Oh, I don't know if I was there. I, I didn't shoot that interview. Oh, you didn't do that one. No, it was Tyler. Oh, it was someone else then. No, it yeah. was, uh, this was, this was when he was still Tyler Black, and he was 
Yeah. He was still ROH champion at the time, and we did an interview with him, and he was wearing a Gryffindor shirt. Oh, okay. And I know nothing about Harry Potter, but I worked it into the interview. And <laughs> when he saw, like, when I sent him the feature, like, he was, like, really, like, uh, appreciative of us going to that length to uh, to put this together. I was like, no, thank you. He was, you know, a really great interview, and this was at a time when, you know, he was, you know, Remarkable. pretty... He was rising. No, this one was at Ted Reeve uh, that oh, we did this okay. one at. This would have been in 2010. And yeah, so anyway, he was a big Harry Potter fan. Riddle is in the back. Orton is not here tonight. Um, he's going to be taking on AJ. And he says, maybe Randy is out getting some famous Skyline Chili, which is now Same. the most famous chain on wrestling programming this month. I was waiting for them to cut the Linda Pillman in the front row. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. We had MJF mention Skyline Chili. I had not heard of Skyline Chili up until these past couple of weeks. So uh, if I'm ever in Cincinnati, I know where I'm getting my chili. I've never been to Cincinnati. I've been to Columbus, yeah. but not Cincinnati. Well, what reason would, I guess like if you were to, there to cover a show, but yeah, what other reason would we really have? You wouldn't go for a vacation to Cincinnati? Hmm. Oh, well, how good is that chili? Only one way to find out ways if you go on a vacation to Cincinnati. He starts singing Randy's theme. I'm moving on. Tozawa's still in the ring, and he calls out. He makes an open challenge for anyone to come face him. And answering the call is Keith Bearcat Lee. They he comes they're, out. He's, they're keeping it. Not only are they keeping it, you, you know he's got this for the long haul. Because now his trunks say Bearcat. Oh, yeah. Like, this is going to be the new nickname for sure. And the fact that they put him on TV. I it's think. not even just going to be a nickname. I imagine they're going to drop Keith Lee eventually. He's just going to be Bearcat. I thought they would maybe um, try and tie it into, like, like, like as, as a tribute to, like, Bearcat Wright or give some explanation for the, the nickname. But he was just. No, he loves Keith bears. Bearcat he, Lee. He loves bears and he loves cats. So, Bearcat. Well, he. Um, he didn't spend much time here reintroducing himself because he murdered Tozawa in 20, uh, 37 seconds with the Big Bang catastrophe. Yeah, no explanation for the new name, nor any sort of perceivable difference in attitude. Um, but whatever. Like, we all know what this is, okay? This is just somehow, like, this is what Vince needs to do to get interested in a guy. He's the same guy, but like... <laughs> It's just for some reason he he's he's not attracted. You give him this f weird name that is attached to maybe one of his childhood favorite wrestlers, and all of a sudden he maybe looks at him as a shiny new toy. So whatever, like it, it gets Keith Lee a push and allows him to wrestle. On, on a larger note, I mean, like for talent, there it's a case of read the room, like not just look at NXT and what they want out of that system, but. Nikki Cross is going to be a a template for many performers. Um, mm -hmm. You just had Shane Thorne explain like this crocodile Dundee character. Like that was his idea that he cited Nikki. As, like these people that want TV time, this is the direction that they are being encouraged to go in. And when you see someone like Nikki Ash, that is a success story. When you look at NXT 2.0, it's the characters times 10 that they want. And if you're not getting television time, like Ricochet should be an astronaut. Like it's like come up with crazy stuff. It's yeah. you want Vince McMahon to have 
just a, a relatable tactic, occupation, or hobby attached. Do drop. Dance. Just dance, okay? And we're going to everything you do involves dancing, okay? Dancing, Drew, do drop. That's it. Find a one-sentence description of yourself, and that's step one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different, I would say, a wrestling company to any other one in the world where you, you have to try to appease the taste of one person rather than the entire audience. New Day's in the back, and Big E cut this great promo running down the Hurt Business. When the steel cage goes up, you and I are going down. And he's calling his shot like Babe Ruth. Tonight, no New Day, no Hurt Business. He was lying, and he will walk out as the rightful WWE champion. And I don't know if it was just by uh, on purpose or not. I like the way he emphasizes the E in WWE champion. It's like a good little sign-off for him on his promos. I didn't notice. I, Interesting. I thought he was like emphasizing the E. And if he wasn't, do it. Cool. It's a smart idea. Mm-hmm. I, if Damien, I was if I was a wrestler, I would emphasize both W's. W. Uh, w. Dubba <laughs> dubba. Yeah. Uh, Damien Priest is out. Uh, he says that tonight has nothing to do with last night. I was like, I think this has everything to do with last night. Um, there are no more chances for Sheamus after tonight. And <laughs> the night after Extreme Rules, we are going to have a no DQ, no countout match for the United States Championship. This match was more extreme than anything on the show. Last <laughs> it night. was. Yes, yeah. it was. Sheamus says, this is my type of match. I'm the best brawler in the business. Tomohiro Ishii, kiss my ass. It's going to be pretty ugly tonight. Tell your kids, your pets, and your grandma not to watch because it will be brutal. So that over 50 and under 12 demo getting impacted here, as well as the uh, pet demo, the dog and cat demographic. <laughs> yes. Priest and Sheamus had the match you would expect these two to have. It went almost 16 minutes, and these two beat the shit out of one another. Uh, this is what I'm now calling a Instagram non-filter match. This is a match that is designed for your Instagram the next day, where they can show off their their skin. Right. Uh, I see. You didn't know where I was going. No, uh, I had no idea. Priest had this giant welt on his back because the kendo stick. Only a singular one. We didn't even have the four pack of kendo sticks. <laughs> no, no kendo stick bundle. No. Yes. Uh, they note that this could be the last time they ever have a match with the draft coming up. Uh, Seamus places a table in the corner. Uh, then he climbs. And Seamus, I like how he's incorporating this. He does the, the big arrow shot where he's just going to take guys like mannerisms. Yes. Now yeah. I just want him to face Sheamus or face Roman Reigns just once to do the big like howl in the corner. Yes. This is the role for Sheamus these days. Uh, Sheamus was great in this match. Uh, more kendo stick shots. Priest was tossed into a chair in the corner. And then Priest fakes him coming off the middle rope for a brogue kick attempt, but then leaps right into a flying knee. Sheamus misses with the kendo stick. Reckoning gets countered, and Priest avoids a power slam through the table, sends Sheamus through it, and wins with the Reckoning in 1552. There was also this big uh, table spot where 
Seamus hit a white noise off the apron. That set up the first commercial. That looks uh, so brutal on crazy spot. Like wow. these two just uh, worked their asses off here. This was um, this was better than I would say everything, with the exception of maybe like Reigns and Balor last night. I would I would not put this at that level, but I would say this would have been the second best match last night. Really, really good, hard-hitting match. You know, these two, it feels like they've had a lot of matches, but this one did feel intense enough to feel like it's a blow-off. Um, they just really went all out and were not really pulling much from each other. So this is like that Sheamus, you know, style. I mean... Sheamus has had a great year. Yeah, we kid, but like, I'd love to see him against Tomohiro Ishii. Like, they would beat the shit out of each other, so... It was a very good TV TV match, and I'm sure they'll be hurting in the morning, these two. Mustafa Ali asks Mansoor why he asked Jeff Hardy to team with them tonight. And Mansoor explains that Jeff Hardy is a legend. And if we... What logic this was. If we win tonight, we could prove that we belong together and should not be split up. Well, I mean, I guess so. If we're to believe the the draft, it takes place with like what head honchos from Fox and USA in a boardroom together, and they have to decide: okay, do we take both tag team members, or, or should we split them up? So it's not random. Is that what we're establishing? It's not a random. Was it random draft. last year? I can't remember why. I don't think. So. Yeah, I don't. They think just put the names up. They just put like groups up last year, right? As I recall, I don't think it's random. I guess. Well, Jeff Hardy shows up right as Ali is burying Jeff. And Ali immediately backtracks when he realizes Jeff is there. And Jeff says that Jinder Mahal, Veer, and Shanky are big, scary bastards. But I've faced bigger and scarier. And I can't wait to twist their fate. Yeah, that's a new one. I don't think I've heard him say that before. All these years, he has never turned it into a literal threat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was our sixth man. They got the advantage on Mansoor, and then they casually mention, we're going to hear from Bill Goldberg tonight. Hardy gets tagged in, the shirt comes off, but Mahal stops his fate from being twisted. <laughs> Mansoor leaps off the steps into Shanky, and then Veer destroys Ali with his shoulder tackle, and then he does the big wind-up, into a lariat, allowing Graves to note that Veer has a million-dollar arm, which I love. It's like he is literally the inspiration of a movie. A Disney as, movie. As Rinku Singh, but he is a different name here, and we just have to do the, like, uh, the Braun Breaker, and we'll subtly reference what he is very well-known as in mm. a different... in the wor- in the real world, but... Uh, this is the most they have kind of really leaned in on Veer's background. And I think we have seen, like, he has been the most protected of these three. And it feels like may- maybe this draft is a way that they are going to isolate him and he is going to be one of their next projects. It's possible. Really, anybody. Um, I think it could be possible. I would say, like, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how much he's been doing off off TV. But on TV, I don't think we've really seen enough of him to for me to feel confident that he'd be able to last on his own. I, I kind of like him with, with Jinder and Shanky at the moment. So um, I think they could still continue to push him as a singles, you know, with some people around him. But we'll we'll see next week. You know, they might have other plans. Uh, you know, Mansoor and Ali, they 
they get a lot of airtime, or at least like they they continue to still have some sort of storyline going on in the background. They're not winning a whole lot. They don't even get revenge on the people that beat them up, but um, they they continue to like get backstage speaking roles. So I don't really know what it means, what it says about them. And it seems that Jeff Hardy is back into a just a mentor type of role, and like just more of a. A concentrated mid card role where I mean he was really falling there where he was just on main event duty chasing around for the twenty four seven title and I think he's in more of a more of a focused position now like not not main event level but at least not not as low as he had fallen to in this case I mean at least tonight if they keep this going it feels like he's he's the guy to bring the attention to Mansoor and Ali but um, maybe this won't continue past the week. Karrion Cross has never felt more alive and reinvigorated than now. We just got engaged. Uh, that is that, so. that is right. No one knows where they will end up at the end of all of this. All of it leads to the agony that will haunt your every waking moment, which I think is how they pitched the Jeff Hardy loss to him. They will all fall and pray and... These aren't just words, Way. We had dramatic sound effects behind this to really punctuate the uh, the doom and gloom that he is forecasting on Raw. And then we just cut to Karrion Cross on the entranceway with his mask. He was wearing a mask, yep. Here um, we go. It's the showdown that I think could have been saved for uh, Saudi Arabia or WrestleMania. It's Karrion Cross, Jackson, Riker. Graves says, Karrion Cross has momentum on his side. And then Saxton goes, you can say the same about Riker. But can you? And then he explains that since leaving Elias, Jackson Riker has not lost. This is true. He had all those matches with Elias where he won. And then since his Symphony of Destruction match with Elias, which was their last meeting, Jackson Riker has gone 4-0 on main event. Oh, wow. Hot streak. They have been building to this without (laughs) our knowledge. Yeah, okay. Um, Does Corey actually have, like, records, like main event records? He's probably on cage match, too. Might have it open there. Um, Good companion. Riker lifts cross, and he gets stopped. He hits him with the doomsday suplex, and then he goes to apply the cross jacket. This had to have been the worst-looking cross jacket that did not look like... Riker was in any danger, and Jimmy Smith uh, was just explaining, well, if you can't get under the chin, you just crank on the jaw. So this was a uh, just a crank by Cross, and Riker fell in a minute 35. You could tap guys out, like, with, with an You could, hand. but this this did not look... Um, Probably not it, yeah. So, I mean, you know, good good for Jimmy Smith to like be there to you know lend some credibility. He could see, he could see, like this does not yep. look great. So mm-hmm. cover for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, I didn't even realize Riker hasn't been on TV or it hasn't been on Raw all, all this time. But uh, they lost they lost interest in him. So in him, in his spot. What about Elias? Like they may have oh, literally. Yeah killed off this guy's character yeah you're right so he they were teasing that rebrand I, maybe he'll be a part of the draft tomorrow or next uh, week. friday friday yeah. friday that would make sense like maybe don't reintroduce him until you're ready to do something with him like well, why you do the vignettes see... why do the vignettes so early well that was it you did the vignettes and then you stopped them cold so 
I don't know. It's just, uh, he's kind of just disappeared. Dewdrop meets with Pearson DeVille. She wants the open challenge with Charlotte Flair. DeVille used this as a chance to run down Naomi, who doesn't even belong on the roster. And they give Dewdrop the, the match, providing that if she wins, she does her dance. And she proceeded to just dance in the office. That's her thing now. She's, she dances. She's a dancer. Yeah. yeah. Lashley says it makes him sick that Big E calls himself the rightful champion. He complains about the cash-in. But tonight, I'm not injured. I'm glad it's a cage match and goes over all the different ways of which he can win the title. Riddle and AJ Styles, they this was another really strong match on Raw. Um, they went through uh, the commercial break. Riddle hit this bridging German and then a ripcord knee. And Riddle, clearly catching up on his Okada matches, is holding on to the wrist after the knee. And AJ takes him for a pump handle gut buster to break the grip. And Riddle then dives off the middle rope to the floor. The floating bro lands on the knees, and AJ applies the calf crusher. Riddle is screaming before making it to the rope. And they cut to Omos, who is pissed. And he has to do the most acting of his career as they kept the camera on him, and he had to just look devastated. It was awesome. AJ then does this spot. This was like out of uh, that Nakamura-Sakuraba Wrestle Kingdom match where he slides and gets blasted with Riddle's knee. This was a great-looking spot. Um, mm-hmm. Not not something you typically see in a, in a WWE setting. I thought it looked really good. And our, uh, Randy Riddle sets up for the RKO. But when he goes for it, AJ catches him on the shoulders for his burning hammer and then the cla- the Styles Clash for the win. Uh, awesome ending sequence. A really strong match on Raw. This the match second was, one of the night. Yeah, this match was awesome. It felt like it was AJ being able to wrestle like the AJ of old instead of playing sort of this like weakling of his tag team uh, with Omos. Uh, these two have shown really great chemistry on the show before, and this absolutely continued. I think one of their better outings together. So really good TV match. And I guess is you're staying with this tag title program. I think at least doing one more match between them, it's they have not built up a whole lot of tag teams. And I guess they're going to try and squeeze one more out of them based on this. I guess so. Omos then chokeslammed Riddle. And there was a recap of Shayna's attack on Nia Jax. Schreiber asks her, what was going through your mind? And Shayna just looks troubled and walks away. Charlotte and Dewdrop. Dewdrop hit a senton. Eva came out. Flair distra- uh, hit Dewdrop with the natural selection while distracted. A minute fifty. So we got we got some very good wrestling on this show. We also got matches that were over in an instant, and this was the latest one. Yeah, many of these were just angles, like no no wrestling really to speak of here. Yeah, Eva stands over Dewdrop and is posing to the audience. Flair looks annoyed and attacks Eva, holding up her title. Uh, we would revisit Eva Marie, but first, Bill Goldberg, in his home, addresses Bobby Lashley. We are both fathers, but I hope you're a better father than you are a liar. You choked my son Gage unconscious, and you lied, saying it was a misunderstanding. When my son was born, I swore on everything holy to protect him from anyone and anything that could hurt him. You hurt my son. 
and I will fulfill the promise I made to my wife, my son, and to you. (laughs) I'm going to hurt you, Bobby, badly. If I'm lucky, I'll kill you, and I will enjoy each second of it. Gage Goldberg is my son, and you, Bobby Lashley, are about to be my victim. And off signed Liam Neeson. (laughs) This was maybe the best promo of Bill Goldberg's life. I love this thing. This This was was angry dad Bill Goldberg. And this is a role that this man was born to play at this stage of his life. This was awesome. You know, we know his in-ring limitations. Like, the matches that he has, they they kind of vary in, in terms of quality. But in these interviews... He still sounds like Bill Goldberg, and maybe even the best he he may have sa- he may sound. This is Dad Gold Goldberg. Goldberg is a dad, um, so I I think I can always at least get into the prospect of his matches if these promos are this good. And for a Saudi Arabia show where spectacle seems more important than match quality, or at least historically that's the case. I mean, it makes absolute sense to use him. Yeah, I mean, the the hiccup was when he had mentioned the last appearance that he did was about, you know, needing knee surgery. But I mean, if it was, we didn't know the extent of it. Like if it was just a minor, like arthroscopic deal. Um, and the fact that they're doing this angle now, I agree with you. It seems like this is this is set up for Saudi Arabia. And just, man, this is a great promo. Um, mm-hmm. Threatening to kill someone. That was always, I was under the impression, one of those, uh, we, we like, you are not allowed to say in promos, but I guess, you know, shit's on. We're threatening death now. Yeah, and and they can say shit now. So maybe things are a bit different. Yeah, great, great promo. Which takes us to Eva Marie in the ring. And if she had the opportunity that Dewdrop had just had, I would be the women's champion. I'm tired of being taken advantage of and disrespected. I can beat any woman in the locker room, and they know it. So Shayna Baszler enters, puts her to sleep with the Kirafuda clutch, the crowd is cheering, drags her to the edge of the apron, attacks the elbow, and then places it on the steps, stomps the elbow, and the crowd shows their concern by chanting one more time. And I don't know, I read this as like this write-off of Eva Marie. Like, this was a serious angle. You just did it with Naya, who's got to uh, disappear. And then doing the same with Eva. Like, this felt like a pretty conclusive end to Eva Marie, at least for the time being. I think it should be. You know, the only other thing to that is, like, I mean, does does Dewdrop not need to get some revenge after Eva cost her the championship match earlier? Mm, or this know. gives you a reason to not put Eva in the ring anymore. Like, this is her, like, she's injured and just... You segue her to a manager, you pair her with someone, and that's, I, I don't know, like you did do the Dewdrop continuation, although, God, do I, I don't think anyone needs to see another two-minute match between them. No, I don't think so either. And, uh, you know, Shayna's, or sorry, Naya's out for a while. I think Eva has to sell it for just as long as, as Naya. Um, and I think they've been doing a good good job rebuilding Shayna these past couple of weeks. I do expect that the Raw women's division Probably needs some bolstering. There's a lot of women on SmackDown. And when you're looking here, like Charlotte has gone through everyone. Uh, They've exhausted her and Rhea Ripley. Nikki's out of the picture for the time being. Shayna is like, Charlotte and Shayna, they they have not 
had great chemistry in their pairings, but they are building Baszler up for something. Obviously this is like the most kind of killer persona that they have uh, given Baszler since her call up. So they're at mm-hmm. least keeping her strong, but I could definitely see some, some of the talent from SmackDown evening things out on the raw side of things. Do you see any of Belair, Sasha or Becky being one of those? I don't think so because I wouldn't have done that angle on Sunday if they were just going to take one of them out of that. I think part of that is keeping those three together, but that's that's quite the that's concentration the close, th- of your, your big stars. stars. Yeah, and it's all on one show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see them moving like a Sasha or something to Raw and still going ahead with that three-way, you know, at some point. And, and you also have to remember, oh, Survivor Series is coming up. They might do some sort of, um, you know, connecting of the brands then as well. Right. Yeah. Schreiber interviewed Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash. And Rhea Ripley reminded us, we're complete opposites, but sometimes opposites attract. Nikki is annoying her with a fist bump and says that super brutality is ready to fly and suggests that they get matching outfits. What do you think, Rhea, about the color blue? Rhea thinks about it and says blue is a great color. On you. Oh. And Nikki suggests that they come out in matching blue capes. Yeah, I hate these backstage segments with these two. Um, They're just so overly staged and so poorly performed. Um, I don't know. Kids might really love these two together. Like, they might love this. I don't know. But I can't stand them. Biggie, Bobby Lashley, steel cage match for the WWE Championship. They were making their entrances with like a half hour left in the show. So they dedicated a lot of time to this. Although the beginning was all brawling around the cage because Lashley attacked him before entering. We come back from commercial, the bell rings, and Lashley is in control. He goes for a spear and gets hip-tossed into the corner. He's being rammed into the fence, and Biggie tries for a big ending off the turnbuckle, but it stopped, and this was a case of intentionally going for a dragon sleeper, unlike uh, the night prior with Jeff Hardy. And then Lashley tries to climb. Biggie climbs, rams Lashley's head off the cage, and then he's trying to climb over when Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander climb up the cage and send him back in. Lashley is going for the door when all of a sudden Xavier Woods slams the door shut on Lashley's head. They attack Benjamin and Alexander. Kingston hits a trust fall. Adam Pierce must have been too slow to get out here to uh, enforce the rules, but they were all gone. We go through a second commercial and Big E is hitting all of these belly to bellies. He gets cut off coming off the ropes with a spear but then makes his comeback, hits the big ending. Lashley kicks out of the big ending for a huge pop, and then it culminates with the two fighting on the turnbuckle, and this time Biggie hits the big ending off the second turnbuckle to get the win in 16 minutes and 29 seconds. A big roar for the finish, and and a good cage match between them. It just further solidified Biggie as your champion, and I think things are going very well for Biggie in this, the first two weeks of his reign. I totally agree. I thought this was a really good TV match. You know, these two, I think, have exhibited really good chemistry with one another throughout this entire program thus far. It's a program that, you know, really feels like it's it's just taking place on TV. So if you're not somebody who watches the pay-per-views, you can probably, you know, completely enjoy it all. 
Uh, and I think it's great for Big E because it exposes him to the biggest audience possible. Lashley has been a great heel. Big E is an excellent baby face. And I thought both men were operating at their very best here. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was a very good match between them. And uh, the ending scene is Big E in the ring celebrating when Drew McIntyre walks out, holds up the sword and points it at Big E, challenging him to a joust. And Big mm. E accepted. He nodded his head, <laughs> said, we will meet at dawn. And that's how Raw went off the air. And, you know, a clear transition onto what the next program is for Big E. But also, I feel like the end of the Bobby Lashley chapter, and I would say probably not with just Big E, like this is kind of that pattern we see of a guy that loses a bunch of matches. And maybe that's the idea is that he is he is going elsewhere. I mean, I can see Lashley being moved or, I mean, it could be they could flip the champions. I, I don't know. Who knows what, what they might do. But um, I'd, 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 I'd also feel, I agree that this felt like it was a bit of a blow off. Although I think like a six man between the, the newly reformed Hurt Business and a New Day is in order. Yeah, you can certainly, you know, continue it on, on that side. I mean, it really doesn't matter where Lashley goes with when you're doing the, the Goldberg program. I mean, you can really just. Mm-hmm. Do it on whatever. But um, you also did reintroduce like the Hurt Business here. So I wouldn't want to see them to tease it and break them up again. That would just be uh, playing with people. But um, that was the show. I would say you got three really good matches on this show. And I I thought that like, this was um, a very good edition of Raw. Um, I don't know if I would say very good, but I thought you had, you know, three very good matches, I would say for TV and Bobby Lashley. I will take that. Like that was like 45 minutes of wrestling right there between those, those three matches. Yeah. I, maybe if you really wanted to see the wrestling, Sheamus and Priest, I thought absolutely rocked. It was very hard hitting again, more extreme than anything I thought we saw on extreme rules. Uh, Riddle and AJ was really good. And that was my match of the show. Uh, and then this main event in the steel cage with Biggie and Lashley, I thought absolutely delivered. Um, so, and, and the Goldberg thing. So all all four Goldberg of those promo was very good. I like that. Like Biggie feels like the top guy on the show. The audience is with him. Um, the Goldberg promo is very strong. Um, they're heating up Baszler, which I, I think like that is something that that people are optimistic about. Um, and the rest is just it was just short filler stuff that was. Just move on to the next segment. There, there were in, introductions to a lot of guys that might play a bigger role after the draft. People like Bearcat, um, you know, I suppose um, Shanky taking or Veer taking Veer, a step up yep, on this show. Yep. So, yeah, do drop. They're doing stuff with. Hmm. Well, I can and tell ricochet. that in Ricochet, yeah. Um. But as far as interest in this show, John, at least with our audience, I can tell nobody gave a shit about this one. Wow. Because for the first time, I think, ever in doing one of these Raw reviews, we have no pieces of feedback from forum.postwrestling.com. So I think at least our audience, um, not very interested. It's but- okay. That's that's why we're here to recap it if no one else is watching. Honestly, like I believe me i'm the first one to complain about raw dragging and tonight everyone from my update had to move everything i had to watch this in regular speed i did not i have not figured out the the sportsnet streaming issue uh and for my own enjoyment i decided to get on with one of their uh 
online help support people. Um, I put in my inquiry, inquiry. Yeah. An hour and a half later, they got back to me. They're so um, concerned. Way they come back to me and say, "I explained my problem. This rewind function is just not working. What's the problem?" And they're they're. I read it with such a tone. They're like, "It's very frustrating when it's not when technical problems are at at issue." Oh, it's just a bot. Sounds like. Well, this person introduced themselves as a name. For all I know, it's a bot. Who who knows? But then says, besides this issue with the player, how's the rest of your day going? Like, dude, <laughs> I don't have time for this shit, okay? Well, I want to know the problem. And it's just like, oh, they're like making small talk with me. I was like, I don't have time for this. Fix this. It's like, well, um, is this a problem on your other devices? I was like, no, I got one device here that I'm trying to work it on. Can you try it on a different device? No, I'm not doing it on another device. I want it to work on this. What's the problem? I said, you know what? You might have to clear out your, your cash and your cookies. It's like, okay, let's try that. You know what? You know what effect that, that had a way? Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Zero. I, guess, I was fully prepared to come on here, and I was going to apologize to the Sportsnet tech outlet on this new player. But you know what? It's still a mess. So you were on the support page with Sportsnet themselves? Um, it, was a, it was a Rogers representative, yeah. Like, was it through the Sportsnet website yes. that you got that? Yes, yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I decided to check today myself, and I had the same issue. So You can't rewind it. I can't. For- I can go like a minute and 24 and then it stops. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, there you go. Then it's not just my issue because I'm I think, honestly, I heard no one else contact me and saying, yeah, I had the same problem. So I was curious. Maybe, well, maybe it is on me. I don't think anybody else needs the ability to rewind unless you're reviewing the show on a podcast. I um, would think every single viewer of raw in this country that streams it, no one is watching it live, but I could be very wrong. Yeah. I think you and I are in, are in pretty kind of per, per, particular uh scenarios and i think people listening to this either have no idea what we're talking about or they're just oddly fascinated because is your app fine does your apps have no issues the on ipad it's fine totally fine so you can rewind like you know all the way to eight o'clock if you're starting it really late Uh, and also there are alternative means too i'm sure people can inform you about john if you you need but uh, uh the saga continues i guess I mean, it's not, it's not that much of a saga. It was not too big. Really? Like tonight. you can just go to the other room and use your PVR, but I guess. It's fine. Like it's not a up. huge issue. It's more so like, it's frustrating that they had a very, like a no, a non-issue player. It was fine. And they have come up with a new one that well, has less tools than the it, previous one. It was fine for our purposes, but I imagine it's probably to their advantage that, you know, their audience can't just skip over their commercials. Which is why TSN hasn't included this function on their their live streamer. But you can rewind like that. Why? Why even have the option to you can rewind? Go 90, you can go ninety seconds for this purpose of instant replay for sports. I imagine maybe that's why. But when I log into it, it gives you two options. Yeah. Watch live. Start from the beginning. That's literally right. what the button says. Start from the beginning. But you cannot start from the beginning. You can only go back ninety seconds worth. So that, to me, suggests this is a glitch and not the function. You could be right. Who do we know that works at Sportsnet? Open call out. 
anyone that was involved with this player that can let us know is this a problem let's get to the bottom of this is this the feature is this guys we've got the best idea what if we trick people into thinking they can go back anytime but they're stuck because once they've logged in we've got them these these guys that have to take notes on this stuff yeah I know we have listeners all around the world, like people in Israel, people in, I don't know, uh, Korea, who could not give a shit about what we're talking about. But I, I'd love to That's know... That's not true, because we always hear complaints about the WWE Network and different problems that they okay, have. Fine. This is a real... This is a, sure. this is a legitimate issue. I guess I would just love to know their interpretation of, of this whole thing. And I'd lo- also love to know how long we can fill time uh, for the rest of the show with this conversation. Way is telling me it's time to wrap things up. So that is it. I am going to go and I am going to go 90 seconds into the past and uh, and rewatch the closing seconds of Raw. By the and, way, uh, 4.89 for this edition of Raw from the nine people who decided to vote. All right. Well, uh, Raw engagement is at an all-time high. But we are going to be back on Tuesday with Ask Away, where maybe... Uh, Maybe someone from Sportsnet will have a question for us on Tuesday's show. Maybe they can follow up with us there in our you know, on our mail. I think we have the resources to be able to like really dig and and find the te- somebody who works in the technical team with Sportsnet. Like we know people who work in the sports TV industry. This will be our next audio documentary feature. Yeah, making let's get to the, of the Sportsnet player. Yeah, <laughs> we have the power. We can do it. We can do anything. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening. We appreciate every last one of you. Way, I want you to have a great night. Yeah, you too, man. I'm sorry for talking too much tonight. No, I love it. I'm just teasing, John. I, I, I could spend two hours on this. Are you kidding me? We could have a, brand, a, a special just dedicated to the Sportsnet players and ability to rewind. I'm totally down for that. I'm, I'm done with the uh, the Sportsnet player because it's done with me. But I will I will follow up with any advancement. That I need to know. Way. No, I'm just getting started. I need to like. Well, you've reassured me. Like I was ready to make it a dead issue, but now you're telling me you've had you are experiencing so the, the same problem. So that tells me yeah. this is widespread, and it also tells me that that no one out there is watching Raw on this Sportsnet player. They're all just watching it regularly or through alternative means. They're probably watching on TV or something. Yeah, but it was very convenient. You're just having it all on your laptop. I loved it. I loved it. It was a great time. Yeah. R.I.P. The Sportsnet player. Come to an end. Good night, everyone.